This is section 124 of Mark Twain Speaking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Dinner Speech New York Postgraduate Medical School and Hospital Dinner Delmonico's, New York, January 20, 1909 Read by John Greenman The chairman introducing Twain mentioned a recent burglary at Twain's Connecticut home. Gentlemen and doctors, this is the first opportunity I have had to thank the postgraduate for the honorary membership conferred upon me two years ago, a distinction which is a real distinction and which I prize as highly as anyone could. I am glad to be among my own kind tonight. I was once a sharpshooter but now I practice a much higher and equally as deadly a profession. It wasn't so very long ago that I became a member of your cult, and for the time I've been in the business my record is one that can't be scoffed at. As to the burglars, I am perfectly familiar with these people. I have always had a good deal to do with burglars, not officially, but through their attention to me. I never suffered anything at the hands of a burglar. They have invaded my house time and time again. They never got anything. Then those people who burglarized our house in September, we got back the plated ware they took off. We jailed them, and I have been sorry ever since. They did us a great service. They scared off all the servants in the place. I consider the children's theater, of which I am president, and the postgraduate medical school as the two greatest institutions in the country. This school in bringing its twenty thousand physicians from all parts of the country, bringing them up to date, and sending them back with renewed confidence, has surely saved hundreds of thousands of lives, which otherwise would have been lost. When the distinction of an honorary membership in the postgraduate college was conferred upon me, I felt it my duty to put aside other matters for a time, and qualify myself for the position before beginning to practice. I have been practicing now for seven months. When I settled on my farm in Connecticut in June, I found the community very thinly settled, and since I have been engaged in practice it has become more thinly settled still. This gratifies me, as indicating that I am making an impression on my community. I suppose it is the same with all of you. I beg you to allow me to read a paper which I have prepared for your instruction, a very short one. I am only a country doctor out on a farm in Connecticut, but I suppose you are similarly situated around over the United States, out in the back settlements, 
the paper which i am now to read to you is entitled on the three great laws to be observed in the treatment of bright's disease of the kidneys first the first great law to be observed when professionally approaching the patient whom an all-wise providence has deemed it necessary to inflict with that always serious and often fatal you know you can't carry on a great work competently without organization so as soon as i had taken up my residence last june in the house i had built on the high hill overlooking the distant farms and the deep solitudes i started a branch of the postgraduate and paid my alma mater the deserved compliment of naming it for her the reading connecticut branch of the new york postgraduate college of medicine of course the practice of medicine and surgery in a remote country district has its disadvantages but in my case i am happy in a division of responsibility i practice in conjunction with a horse-doctor a sexton and an undertaker the combination is air-tight and once a man is stricken in our district escape is impossible for him these four of us three in the regular profession and the fourth an undertaker are all good men there is bill ferguson the reading undertaker bill is there in every respect he is self-made and self-educated he intends to go on with his education by and by but at present he still signs his name with a rubber stamp like my old southern friend he is one of the finest planters anywhere then there is jim ruggles the horse doctor ruggles is one of the best men i have got he is not well up in medicine as yet but he is an elegant horse doctor one of the very best i think ferguson doesn't make any money off him you see the combination started this way when i got up to reading and had become a doctor i looked around to see what my chances were for aiding in the great work the first thing i did was to determine what manner of doctor i was to be being a connecticut farmer i naturally consulted my pharmacopoeia and at once decided to become a pharmiopath then i got circulating about and got in touch with ferguson and ruggles ferguson joined readily in my ideas but ruggles kept saying that while it was all right for an undertaker to get aboard he couldn't see where it helped horses well we started to find out what was the trouble with the community and it didn't take long to find out that there was just one disease and that was race suicide and driving about the countryside i was told by my fellow farmers 
that it was the only rational human and valuable disease but it is cutting into our profits so that we'll either have to stop it or we'll have to move where was i oh yes uh, well <clears throat> as i was saying uh, the first great law to be observed when professionally approaching a patient whom an all-wise president uh, no uh, providence i mean uh, we've had some funny experiences up there in reading not long ago a fellow came along with a rolling gait and a distressed face we asked him what was the matter we always hold consultations on every case as there isn't business enough for four he said he didn't know but that he was a sailor and perhaps that might help to give a diagnosis we treated him for that and i never saw a man die more peacefully danbury has the farm next to mine and is a man of jealous and sarcastic spirit and ridicules our college and does everything he can to break up our practice when we tried to raise money to build a hospital he said we didn't need a hospital what we wanted was a cemetery everybody else is respectful and calls our institution the postgraduate but he calls it the post-mortem when we've been holding a consultation in a sick room he doesn't call it that he calls it preliminary inquest well anyway his connecticut farm is a pretty poor one compared to mine and he is bitterly jealous because he can't raise as many rocks on it as i can oh well uh, let him talk if it does him good i know one thing we've improved things ever so much up there when we started in seven months ago there were lots and lots of sick people there aren't any now we are admired and looked up to and i may even say revered by everybody but that man that danbury they scatter flowers before us but he never does and they call us the big four but he calls us the four flush often i have wanted to say damn such a man but i never would it would distress my parents if i had some the first great law to be observed when professionally approaching of course we make mistakes in diagnosis everybody does especially beginners i remember the time the horse doctor uh, no it was the rubber stamp uh, came and said he had found a case the other side of the hill of a colored lady from new york suffering from nervous prostitution on account of overwork and we went there and held consultation and it wasn't so nothing nervous about it just the ordinary thing and we took hold of her and in a week she was all right and ready to resume her activities same as ever 
yes a mistake now and then in diagnosis is unavoidable no matter how careful you are now there was the instance where the horse doctor came and said he had hunted down a case of vermifuge appendix he had a good dog and we have to use dogs now because the inhabitants have become diffident and shy and when a person gets sick they conceal it and hush it up so we went there to hold a consultation and went through the usual flummery you know same as you do when you are at home no occasion for it nothing in it but it impresses the family and the patient hold out your tongue mm, good deal coated fetch me some sandpaper let me feel your pulse hmm ninety-four above normal indications of approaching fever stick this thing under your tongue hmm temperature hundred and seventeen in the shade fever liable to supervene at any moment and so on and so on the same old usual thing you know that you are so familiar with in your own practice we all did that and then thumped the patient on back and front and mashed our ears against his breast and listened to his works then we consulted i voted with the horse doctor for appendicitis and dead against the obstetrician who said with decision and urgently gents this ain't no appendicitis there's something the matter with this feller's umbilical cord he used to be before the mast before he came with us and he wanted to get it out and take a reef in it and tauten it up the undertaker wouldn't give an opinion i reckon you've all noticed yourselves that in consultations you never can get the undertaker to show his hand when there's a disagreement so there was a majority for the appendix for the employment of the caesarean operation to get it out well after considerable rummaging around we got it out but it turned out to be a lung uh, this wouldn't have made so much difference ordinarily uh, but it did this time because this was the only one he had his appendix was dangling in a bottle in the parlor but we didn't know it a fine man he was a great loss just an ideal patient always ailing thought he was anyway always paid up promptly never looked at the bill often he would pay the same old bill four times and never say a word same as if it was a gas bill and he couldn't help himself yes a fine man and a great loss but he is gone gone from us never to return and we shall have to live within our means now the three great laws to be observed especially and particularly in the first stage of bright's disease of the kidneys in our practice we mainly adhere to the ancient and time-proven systems of those princes of the medical arts 
galen and hippocrates and euripides and cathartides and deuteronomy and those others we believe in bleeding a patient as long as he danbury that rotten danbury says but never mind that in my opinion danbury is a man whose statements are based solely on malignity and jealousy and a wanton desire to injure and even destroy the reading branch of this great and noble institution the postgraduate college of new york and i for one am above repeating anything he says or in any other way taking notice of him why once he said and it was only a week ago he was talking about our branch to another infidel and he said oh yes the post-mortem's all right now that it's prosperous and has got a move on got a move on that's just in his line slang is now that it's prosperous and got a move on they've set up a coat of arms device huniadi label motto constipation is the thief of time now that is just a plain straight-out lie that's all it is it is true that we've got a coat of arms but it's not a huniadi label it is a facsimile of the seal of our great original here and the motto on it sheds luster upon both our great original and its reading branch to wit we are sternly opposed to adulterated drugs we are sternly opposed to all forms of adultery except those which custom has addicted us to uh, the first great law to be observed when professionally approaching the patient whom an all-wise providence has deemed it necessary to afflict with that always serious and often fatal malady bright's disease of the kidneys uh, but it is too late to read it now i will take it to your homes and read it to you there end of dinner speech read by john greenman